You're listening to the Racking Focus Podcast. Hey, welcome back to the Racking Focus Podcast. I'm Josiah Blizzard. And I'm John Doyle. And today we're going to be going to see The Northman. The Northman. Directed by who? Uh, I Robert Eggers. Robert Eggers. I For some reason, I have a different name in my head. That's okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and I, I understand we're going to be seeing a giant sprawling adventure film so let's see how that goes i'm looking forward to it i am too uh but before we get there we have to do the weekly watch right so we're going to talk about what we're watching you say that name with such disdain i had a good idea for another name did you lose it i did because it's been too long since we were together (laughs) and i got it like a week ago so it may come back to me again i had it and i didn't write it down i believe it was in the shower but work it college has been very stressful and so things are floating in and out if you people listening to this podcast have a different name (laughs) for this segment please tell us please tell us but if you don't that's fine too we're gonna move on to the weekly watch what have you watched this (sighs) week why you start with me you start i can start you start that's fine i can start i've actually watched a lot of things since uh since our last meetup uh, last night I watched uh, Police Story for the first time. Really? Yes. Holy cow! Is Jackie Chan amazing? Jackie, Chan. I knew this already, but I am now fully convinced that he is just the black belt Charlie Chaplin. He is. I, I think that's a really that's well it. said. That's what he, he is. is amazing. He's incredible. That film is a ton that, of fun. That movie was so good. So much. So fun. good. I need him as a secretary for me now just answering phones <laughs> um, no that scene is yeah so good the technical ability that you need to have to even just do that is uh, I, is a stupid amount of of talent i love the fact too that he lets you see that in outtake so you can see uh, yeah, how hard right, it was the whole credits like yeah. one of the things he does is he lets you know none of this was really easy right right yeah, i think that's we great. all did this for real i think that's why i like i've mentioned jackie chan on the podcast so many times because i just love that we're seeing him do this and it's it is this he is standing in front of a bus coming at him on right. the street mm-hmm. yeah i believe it fully right. there's no cgi included yeah so i watched that let me hear what you've watched and i'll go back to me and then um, we'll go back to you back and forth a little bit so i believe it or not i watched the forever purge this past week oh not what i expected no i knew not what you expected um I the the purge films are a guilty <laughs> pleasure of I, mine. Really? <laughs> yeah. But Wait, you moved away from a criterion, you went to Hulu. I I, I just <laughs> I was actually it showed up on HBO Max and I was like, you know what, I got ninety minutes. Like and that's <laughs> that's the thing. And I, I wanna say that I haven't reviewed it on Letterboxd yet because I wanted you not to know I'd watched it. I actually just held <laughs> this back for this conversation. And I just want to say that they're not really good no, movies. No, no, right? no. Yeah. But they think <laughs> they are. And that's why I like watching them because they really think that there is social commentary. Sure. It, it's just not effective, right? <laughs> because the films have all these problems. Yeah. It's not a bad ride at all. There is a, I mean, there's a massive story arc over these films. Are they all tied together? They're all there. There is a story that that oh. runs through all of them. That is this arc of the America that um, that it's talking about, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's they're not good films, but <laughs> <laughs> but they sort of, and again, they have this sense that they're saying something important. Yeah, but they do give 
opportunity for like mid-range actors to sure. work really hard. And so between <laughs> and get paid an okay right, amount. Right, get paid an okay amount and do some pretty good work. And they do push women f- forward. Women are not victims. Oh, well, that's But there's good. nothing surprising. The thing sure. about the films that makes them palatable at all is that unlike a zombie film where you're spending your time worrying the people you care about are going to die, mm-hmm. you know exactly what's going to happen. Sure. Because they don't just plant to pay off they just tell you in the beginning this person has a really high skill set and eventually you're going to see this happen so you don't have to worry about them dying because they have to exercise this thing right 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 right. so if someone says they love someone else if they're Mm. star-crossed lovers they're Mm. gonna die oh yeah but if they if they showed they could use a gun early on and they weren't supposed to be able to they have special skills they will be using those guns at the end (laughs) and so so it's there's not a lot of mystery to it right even though i think to some people there it may be and they're just an interesting ride i think in the end when they're all finished whatever wherever that is there is a conversation to be had about what they may be trying to say okay through the haze of really mediocre filmmaking <laughs> well i you know i'm really glad you brought like this kind of this horror <laughs> thing up because it transitions really right, well really to my next good, film great i w- had the chance to watch x uh again from a24 just crushing it and this is actually a really good horror film um unlike any of the purge films this is not <laughs> mediocre filmmaking there is some really awesome editing in this there is beautiful cinematography. The direction is spot on. The acting is incredible. It is taking horror tropes and it both does and doesn't flip things on its head. It subverts expectations all over the place, but still leaves you guessing so that you do feel like you know what's going to happen. That's it's cool. very, very, it's it's so well done. Um, so yes, watch X whenever it comes out on digital um, or go see it if you can find it in the theater somewhere. But that was the horror film I decided to watch. On like you watch the Purge, it like, popped wow. up on on. I was, wait, I was waiting for I was waiting for the Batman, and something <laughs> else came up as just released, and well, I was and like, it's much easier to watch ninety I've minutes. Got ninety than minutes, three hours. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, the other thing I watched and uh, is uh, the Hamaguchi's Asako mm-hmm. one and two. Uh, I, I've decided I'm gonna after watching Drive My Car. I always like to dig into other work. Yeah, I've seen um, you watching. Uh, so I wa- I watched uh, that film. It was so freaking good. Yeah, it was really well done, well crafted. And what I want to say is, first of all, this guy understands how to shoot cars driving around. Just going to say, I watched three films of his now. Hmm. He can show you a car driving <laughs> in ways I I just can't believe. But the other thing he does extraordinarily well is he lets actors talk. In, in so there's a scene um, in well in in Asaka, uh, Ahsoka that where literally like they just sit for a while and talk the mm. the the uh, I forget the name of the other one that I watched uh, the people are in a car for 15 minutes of the film in the backseat of a car having a conversation completely engaged because the filmmaking's so good it's just really interesting watching someone who doesn't care about pace and so on <laughs> uh, like he, he this just sounds so weird to say but 
Yeah. He doesn't let pace control the right. filmmaking, right? right? He lets the story and the characters control the filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And so I've downloaded onto the phone, which feels awful to yeah, even say, but I'm going to have to do it because like on my plane flight, I'm going to watch the five-hour film of his, the, uh, the first film of his, which is five and a half hours long that I'm, uh, that's perfect for a plane whoa, flight Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you say five and a half yeah, hours Yeah, that's why I long? haven't watched Did it. Did you say first film? So, yeah. So let me just pop this out Are these here. independently made? There is, is movies, there, whatever. Like, so, there's no studio being like, dude, you got to cut down so five the and first, a half hours. The first, like three. the 2015, 317 minutes. It's called Happy Hour. Holy um, cow. I'm super excited to see it. Does it take place in a car? I'm sure there is a scene in a car. Okay. Uh, Asako is 2018, right? So that's great. There's Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy. That's the other one that I was watching. That's 2021. Uh, released the same year as Drive My Car. He dropped two films in, and and that film is freaking ridiculous. The the first it's a series of interweaved stories. The first story is so good, Josiah. Like it's, and the thing about it is none. It all feels like literature and theater hmm. on film. Wow. But the other thing is, I'm I'm so I'm surprised. So like I'm not <laughs> at all surprised by the purge. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. Everything about <laughs> everything about Hamaguchi's films, <laughs> I'm surprised by. I'm just like I'm like I'd never seen that in a film before. Like I've never huh. seen this storyline before. This is so mm. interesting. Uh, so, like he just goes to a different place because like he's he just he's just doing something different. He's telling a story that has bumps in the road hmm. or challenges or breaks in a non-traditional act structure wow. in a way that I just am surprised. And that surprise is really fun to watch. Yeah, that is fun. So there you go. That is fun. Um, that went longer than I wanted because I No, I that's totally good. Um, I I can just mention a few of the things Go here. ahead, mention a couple. Uh, well, you got to talk about the one. Okay, I watched Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Is that what you were pointing yeah, you to? Or you talk pointing to Mitchell's versus Machines? I was not talking about the Mitchell's versus okay. Machines. <laughs> Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, again, first watch for me. Wow. Yeah. So good. Um, I am now struggling to find other uh, Washia films. I can't find them anywhere unless Look, I pay $15 no, for No, you can get, I told you, you can come over. I have it on Criterion. Okay, come to well, the house have to do and that. watch Eagle Shooting Heroes. Okay, great. That's good. I will, I will come over and watch I'm it. I'm not going to be home this weekend. That's, well, yeah, but, you know. Okay, whatever. We'll see. Um, I would like to watch it with you, I think. Okay, I think okay, that great. would be fun. That's great. Um, but, man, this was a great film. I did not know what to expect, but, man, I felt like I was floating. And, and they do. And they so do, indeed. But I, I actually felt like I was watching some kind of weird, crazy, awesome dream. It was super good. It was super good. Other than that, I watched Mitchell's vs. Machines. That was pretty great. As far as animation goes, I'm not a huge fan of animation sometimes, but I really like that. I watched Hustlers, which I felt was very mediocre. Yeah, um, I, I was going to watch that, so I'm glad you said it was yeah, mediocre. I'll put mediocre. it on the back burner. And one thing that I didn't mention I watched uh, not too long before that was The Atom Project. I don't think I mentioned that I watched this. No, on you didn't. This was surprisingly good. Very Reynolds. Okay. Still so very Reynolds. It is the Reynolds again. It's the Reynolds genre. again. Okay. L- a little less Reynolds, I'm going to be honest. Okay. But still Reynolds. Okay. Um, Deadpool, you could just superimpose <laughs> it right on top of Ryan Reynolds, and it would still be fine. It would still make sense. Um, but the standout from that movie is, well, there's two things. First, um, same guy directed Free Guy okay. who directed The Atom Project. So I had high hopes going in right. because I really liked Free Guy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's a great sci-fi film. Like okay. it's actually it's actually good sci-fi futuristic sort of thing. Um, but two, the kid who plays the young version of Ryan Reynolds is great. Okay. Like really, really great. Um, so I'm excited that this movie kind of launched things for him. So, yeah, those that's what I've watched. That's it. That's all I have. Good. Well, that's that's plenty and plenty for us to chat about in the future. So next time we get together, we'll talk about you know more things that we've watched and or yeah. we'll continue along that journey. And hopefully, we'll have a new name for this segment by the way. Maybe. May and we are watching Moon Knight, so we're going to talk about that separately. Like, so we should just mention we actually are watching Moon Knight. We are watching Moon Knight. But there will be a, 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 a ep- there will be like be a episode. full s- series, not recap, but review, I guess. We'll uh, reaction, it. whatever. Reaction, we'll whatever it is. Whatever. We we're bad at thinking of names. All right, of let's things. let's go inside the theater and watch this movie. Spoilers ahead. Pity you never painted a bastard's eyes heed before. Now, behold how swiftly your brother swings his sword. Strike, brother. Strike, but know that bearing a stolen ring makes no half-breed a king. Soaked in my blood, it will soon be sliding off your arm like a serpent. Your kingdom will not last. Let this misdeed haunt your living nights. Flaming vengeance gorgeous on your death. Strike. Strike! No spoilers here for the Northmen. You've been warned. You've been warned. Although if you've seen Hamlet or The Lion King, (laughs) you may know most of the story. Except there's a lot of really extra goodness in here. <laughs> this movie was freaking intense. It was a very intense experience. I would love to hear your thoughts. My first thought is I think Eggers went to a triple feature of Hamlet, of course, <laughs> The Lord of the Rings, and yeah. um, I think probably Monty Python and the Holy Grail, <laughs> and then like ingested some kind of hallucinogen and wrote a script. Did he eat the mushrooms? I, I don't know. <laughs> he may have eaten mush- some mushrooms, but the ones there were... Were self stabby mushrooms. Uh, sorry, spoilers. <laughs> they were very they were much self stabby like mushrooms. mushrooms. And so, so that was not what I he, he didn't eat. But I, it just I there there were uh, yeah there were certainly Hamlets at the at the core of this. You're absolutely right. So this this uh, specific story is apparently the Norse legend that Hamlet was based right. on. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can you can see it like all over the place. Uh, I have to say, like I, there's, I was wanted to know what your thoughts were on the music throughout the entire film. The second the film starts, it just is like this. Ah, uh, it's like this weight of music just bearing down on you. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think that's a a great note that the the movie is full of weight, right? Like it's a heavy film, yeah. which is not uncharacteristic for his work, right? Right. Oh, it's his, what I expected going you, in. You know, like it, there, you, you feel that, but I think the music, and, and it's not like we didn't have intense music in uh, The Lighthouse or The Witch, but here the, the music is 
it is oppressive throughout. Yeah, uh-huh. and, n- and not in a bad way, right? Not in a bad way at all. No, in a, in uh, in in a way that reflects our character. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Right. Uh, it was just. I mean, I I I need to listen to this soundtrack. It was. It felt authentic to the time. It felt authentic to our character's journey. Uh, and it felt like a score because it was yes, living in relationship yeah. with the yeah uh, the, the text and it, with the and action. And it very much mixed between diegetic and non-diegetic. Right. Like it just it it was woven so perfectly throughout the film. Yeah, and there's parts of it where, like I think again, saying diegetic and non-diegetic is fascinating because there's parts of it where there are things that are mystical that might it might be diegetic music that, that's actually it, true yeah you, you know like there yeah. are moments where that may be the case yeah uh, that the the line between what's real and what's not the the ghost world and the human world mm-hmm. is is crossed in a variety of ways whether it's psychological or it's mystical it was fascinating well and i i actually loved that about this film was that there they embraced the entire religion and uh mysticism of this Norse mythology, right? Mm-hmm. Valhalla was real. Uh, the Valkyries were real, and they may actually not have been real, but they were real to them. It, there is something real. I mean, those what are they? Ravens or crows? Whatever they, I think they right. were crows. Came in, cut the cord, right? C- correct. Like yes. They cut the rope. They let him down. Like there is some sort of higher power that is working. Well, we, in this film. there's a, the and, and we're going to jump all around probably, but there's, this is there's no way we're not a reactiony yeah. kind of thing yeah. to some extent. So, like that when he gets the sword that he is going to use for his vengeance, mm-hmm. that's he's told to get that sword by a mystical person, right? And then yeah, he goes yeah, yeah. and we see him get the sword twice, right? One in a mystic battle and mm-hmm. one in like a just straight up grab it and go. And I think that that's very and like an, an example of what's happening throughout the film yeah that he there there are things that are mystical and there's also a reality and they're blended together i think that's what happens with the valkyrie right because mm-hmm. it is really olga but it's right. also the valkyrie right it and, is both and olga right? has been set up uh there there's this this plant and payoff because she is mentioned about having this hair of this valkyrie right right and so there is this blending this uh this this merge of reality and and spiritual um, that that has already been set up in this world. Um, we've I mean we saw them like become berserkers for a moment, mm-hmm. right? Like these men went into battle in the beginning in this insanely beautiful long shot, this long take. Oh, that! Oh my great. God! Uh, okay, so so Alfonso Cuaron was was thanked at the end of this film, and I know why. It's because of those long ass yeah, shots. Those long ones. Oh right? my gosh! Mm-hmm. Like, they, I mean, I'm thinking like Children of Men, like that whole car scene. Yep. Is is just an insane one take, and same with the end of Children of Men. Right. I'm not gonna talk about it, but like if you've seen that movie like there are some amazingly complex long takes in those in that film and the long take that 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 wild man berserker fight is an is an astounding piece of work because it is mm-hmm. that same kind of long take that isn't just a tracking shot right oh my it's goodness. like weaving through and dancing through a geography uh-huh. where we are we encounter lose reencounter our our hero for all practical purposes yeah. our protagonist uh, and it's beautifully. It's, well, and it's you see him get done. lucky, 
or you see him be blessed by the gods right. essentially right like i don't know like you're you're allowed to make up your own opinion mm-hmm. about what has happened to this character and it was just stunning like that whole scene was just incredible uh but yeah alfonso Cuaron was was thanked this i mean this this movie this is not an a24 film so he's done three features mm-hmm. The the witch and the lighthouse were a twenty four. This one was not. Um, I'm gonna say because of the budget that was needed for uh, this I think, film. Sure, uh, I sure. think it was sitting around ninety million. I think I looked the other day. Uh, it was like somewhere between seventy and ninety mil. I don't think a twenty four necessarily has the money to pump that that type of period piece out. Right. I mean, you're talking about the witch and the lighthouse, both very static in their locations. Mm-hmm. This is all over the place. There are some major set pieces. There are some there's a ton of work going into every every place, every location, every scene. Not that there wasn't in the other two films he's done, but in this film, it he's taken it up like ten well, levels. And there's digital work throughout, yes, right? Yeah, like, yeah. and the and the digital work. The, the thing about his films are that because the world is so laden with, and I, I'm going to say fantasy, but that that may not be the right word, but fantasy. His special mm-hmm. effects don't have to be perfect. They don't need yeah, to yeah, have yeah. the same kind of weight because right. like there can be weird edgy stuff like that opening scene with the boats and the rain and the the coming back to the mm-hmm. uh the original sort of kingdom that is yeah, lost yeah, yeah. later in the film. That that sequence that those special effects don't necessarily look real, right? right. But that's not what this film is about. Right, 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 right. They felt the it, that opening scene reminded me of the lighthouse, yeah, right? It, like right, that exactly. island didn't feel or look real. It felt right though, mm-hmm. and that I think is it the stylistically right. it just made sense. Mm-hmm. But b- even though this wasn't an A twenty four film, it has A twenty four written all over it. Not true. Oh my goodness! So this is what happens when you let a filmmaker loose. And you can just let him do what he wants to do. There is no studio interference in this film. I can't imagine uh, there was there was much interference, if I, any. I can't imagine there's a lot of test audience work with this movie. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. Can, can you imagine him saying like, "No, he really needs to like he needs to lean a little bit farther <laughs> towards the, his hero side." Like, no, I, they would have look if it. Warner Brothers was the uh, oh, uh, thirty minutes would have been chopped off. You would have lost half of this movie. It probably Eggers wouldn't have done it, right? Like the, the Warner Brothers version of this feels hilarious. I would love to see that film just to laugh at it, but it would also make me very, very sad. So yeah, I mean, he just stepped up his game from uh, his previous two films. I'm excited for what he's going to do next. Yeah, which I think is Nosferatu. That's exciting. Too, very right? interesting. Um, there's a lot of stories about Nosferatu too, which we can go into when we see that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I, the scale of the film is massive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we, but we, he keeps this on a human level as well. Yeah. So we're with yeah. these characters who we care about, and this is the same sort of fantasy issue. And yet we're in environments that are massive and gorgeous, like mm-hmm. stunning environments uh, that are big and beautiful and uh, yeah, dwarf these beings, and yet. When we're in the tight shots, we are in tight shots. It's there's that oh, Edgar's man. there's that Edgar's close up like that yeah, yeah. center shallow focus close up thing yep. he does um, that w- that happens over and over in this film that is has so much power emotionally like really lets us see actors 
Uh, and it, it's style, right? It's beautiful. Yeah, and, it's, and those shots are all about the eyes, mm-hmm. too, right? It's not yeah. about, like, it, it's it's reactionary stuff. It's it's people, not, almost half the time, they're not even saying anything. I mean, at one point, um, Alexander Skarsgård, uh, our, our hero, was doing the Stanley Kubrick kind of, like, stare down, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that you see in all of Kubrick's films. And uh, it's all about the eyes. It's all about the reaction that, that he's able to pull out of these actors. And that's really, like you said, shallow depth of field. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So the cinematography was gorgeous. I mean, I, I, at every single level, it, everybody was working at the top of their game. There's nothing that is, nothing about this movie or the craft is bad, right? Right. The question is, why does it all work so well? Mm-hmm. You know? And... It's just that Eggers has this style that he's able to merge together. He has this vision of what this film needs to be. And he's just able to, we were talking about it when the credits are rolling. I'm like overwhelmed thinking about how, how the heck do you, how, how the heck do you manage all of these people? I mean, we must've seen a couple hundred names go by, right? With a bunch of different job titles. How do you manage all these people? Well, it all comes down from the top guy. Eggers has the vision and he's able to just execute so well because he's so precise with what he needs. Right. Well, and I think that it's one of the things, picking a genre for Eggers is, he is a detailed, obscure historian, filmmaker. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. the work he does mm-hmm. is about the obscurity of the material he's presenting. Mm-hmm. As I mean, there's a lot more to it than that, but there that is a stylistic piece of his work that mm-hmm. that runs all through each of the, the these three films but this film in particular the level of detail to the 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 historical peoples that he's working with down to the titles right Good down God. to the titles yeah. that level of detail is about verisimilitude right like to some extent like there's truth there on the screen but it's also a, a, a way it's a genre of film right there there isn't there aren't stray pieces of anything here because he knows or he has gained the knowledge or through his team, whatever, about all those details. Right. So the things we're seeing are things that he has researched, has yeah, you know, and brought into the visual picture. Oh, yeah. The, I mean, this this movie is just like Viking and Norse lore. For I mean, all the way through, like fully through, you're seeing a full cultural representation of what this Nordic environment was like at the time, right? In what, 895 AD or something like that. And then a couple years later, I mean, it's just incredible. Like the amount of the amount of information that he must have had to gather just to understand kind of what you know, these rituals looked like and Mm -hmm. what they ate and how the slaves, where the slaves slept, like everything down to like the smallest thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just so incredible. I I mean, you could write a research paper based, uh, I don't know how accurate all of this stuff is, of course, but I would imagine it's, I mean, Eggers wants to to put his best foot forward and make a a film that is historically accurate. Right, whether we say it's, it it is researched what that research is what the scope and scale of it mm-hmm. how much of that is data that's we really know how much of it's archaeological sure. whatever matters less to me than the fact that you feel that level of research in the film it does yeah, not yeah, yeah. feel 
callously or thoughtlessly or um, uh, it, it like Im- impulsively done. Everything feels rigorous. As, as in he didn't just make a random decision on set that this is what this is going to Or he didn't like, make right? a random decision in a production place. Sure. He said, here's some things we're going to work from. Mm-hmm. Let's work from this. Right. And then what do we build from that? Like, so what does the, the he witch uh, character, yeah. you know, what, what does that look like? What does the, the Bjork's character, the, the first mm-hmm. mystic uh, creature who has the shells in front of her face, right? Like right. what does that, is that maybe that's part of something real? Maybe three quarters of her is real and that becomes his stylistic choice, but it feels in the period, right? It yeah. It doesn't oh, yeah. feel pulled out. It doesn't feel imposed from the 20th century. And right. As, it, as like the witch didn't feel like the 20th century was sitting in there. Like the lighthouse didn't feel like it was a movie that was moving it feels like it's living in the period so right. fully we're not projecting our ideas of what that time period was like on that time period it's actually based on the research of what that time period was actually like and even if it's not completely true it's what we believe because it is so full of mm-hmm. detail and specificity yeah right? and I love think that, that that's really you it. brought up that the film feels like fantasy you've tossed the words fantasy out there a few times it's just so crazy that the like that uh nordic mysticism and their their beliefs and spirituality it 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 just it does feel so fantastical Mm -hmm. and part of that is it i mean it is kind of like this middle ages vibe right like when you think of fantasy you do think of like that high fantasy aspect where there is magic there are witches there is uh fighting and and armies and you know things like that and the vikings can just sit in that like zone with a lot of brutality and they have that magic and they have this crazy wildly cool lore and and religion uh you know that they can bring to the the picture i think that this is just it even though this is like a historical you mentioned eggers being like a almost like a historical horror psychological thriller uh, action like director like he it is a genre film but it's also not it just blends everything together but like i think the vikings are just so interesting i think this was a good choice for him to make uh as far as movies go because it just sucks you right in based on everything costuming all the way down to the lore like you need a master's degree to freaking understand what's going on in this film this is a film that you need so where the lighthouse is a film that may be hard to watch more than once Mm -hmm. this is a film that you sort of need to watch more than once yeah it's a long haul like it isn't short but it's well paced i'm just saying like oh no yeah but i feel like you could in the same way like watching the batman a second time is all about finding the detail Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things on the screen happening that i think visually would be really interesting to watch in a second or third or fifth viewing yeah and so like you're right someone could write a paper about this film i think quite easily uh, it's it's yeah, it's sure. really quite incredible um there is this moment at the end of the film um where i mean the image that's still in my head is spoilers people okay is the double death yeah right at the end in the volcano uh, very reminiscent to me of an image in the lighthouse um where a uh it's it is a two shot again profile of do you know what shot I'm talking about? This light is coming down onto mm-hmm. I think Willem Dafoe's face. Um, just both images you could you could pair together, and it's like ah, uh, it's just this Eggers 
look, this Eggers style that he just has. Um, and it almost feels ripped right from a painting right? Uh, or another piece of work somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he's, as we mentioned before, you can see that influence from other creators. So he is stealing influence from these other people like Alfonso Cuaron or Ari Aster, right? Like there's definitely, I mean, there were some, uh, I think some holly crowns in here, not flower crowns, but right, some sort of holly, holly crowns. crowns. And I had right. a little flashback to Midsummer for a moment as they're dancing around, um, pagan rituals and things of that nature and i was wasn't sure if i was gonna watch midsummer all over again (laughs) not ready for it still um i have yet to watch the second time but like you can see influence from these other filmmakers Mm -hmm. chris columbus i don't know what he's doing there and i also do know but it's just a strange thing when you see the people that he's thanked at the end you can see the influence that they've had on his filmmaking very very cool yeah, um, let's talk about actors just a little bit. Yeah, let's do I it. I think it's really worth doing. I got to say that, like, you know, we just talked about the fact of watching, we're watching Moon Knight, but I got to, I have to say, like, there's nothing in the world like watching uh, actors, like, stretch who they are, right? Oh, man. Um, mm-hmm. So let's just dive in first and foremost with our, with Ethan Hawke's uh, performance at the beginning. I mean, talk about, almost completely masking himself. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, like, how deep and clear does your acting need to be that you can sort of dive into that r- role with that richness yeah. and completely unexpected of him to some extent, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, and really extraordinarily well acted. Uh, just, I mean, and, and a great way to start. And I, it's one of those things that you do when you're trying to make a film that has this kind of scale is you need to have good actors in roles that may only exist in a... But an eighth or a sixteenth of the film, right, right, right. He was in for what twenty minutes or yeah, less. Yeah, and it, he was great. Yeah. Um, and the the death is extraordinary, like a, an amazing moment. Oh, it's a blow, uh, right? Like so it hurts. Wow. It hurts you. It does, but but in like there's some Game of Thrones there too, right? Like yeah, there's yeah. that sort of sensibility. Um, but it also is his work, that mm. his emotional depth. And I, the same thing with Nicole Kidman. There's a few moments here where I'm like, "What? Yeah. I didn't know Nicole Kidman could do that." <laughs> do you know? No, I do know because Nicole Kidman blew me away. It wasn't Nicole Kidman for me. It was. It was. It was it's the same thing. Like I, I see Tom Hanks. Like we saw this uh, trailer for El- the Elvis, uh, the Baz Luhrmann Elvis uh, film coming out, and I just see Tom Hanks sitting right. in that role doing an accent. But Nicole Kidman in this film wasn't Nicole Kidman. It was. It was. It was that character. Yep. Through and through, yeah. Well, and there's the there's a you know these moments where we, she becomes savage, like yeah. raw and savage, mm-hmm. and it is such a risky thing, mm-hmm. th- it, like physically and emotionally, for an actor to go that that distance. And, and that same thing applies to when they do the sort of berserker, werewolfy kind of transition that yeah. they, they do emotionally. It's so risky. Th- there's tons of moments in this film where we watch actors. At a at a level of rawness that is just extraordinary. The level of trust you have in your director mm-hmm. to to be able to go that distance, uh, I mean, and they pulled it off. Yeah, for sure. I think Willem Willem Dafoe was spectacular in his like drop in the bucket. Talk, food talk about a small role, but he was great. He was great. he was great as he as he usually is. He uh, was great. Uh, uh, even his he even his uh silent dead head even his silent dead head he was great 
with the he witch. The he witch. And I, I'm just reading. Who I he, really thought was Brendan Gleeson for a moment, and then I realized it wasn't. But look, I, I'm just going to say this: that the thing about this film that made me think of Monty Python, aside from two really big moments where people were on horses riding over a long distance that, that I was just waiting for coconuts <laughs> to make a noise, is the names of these characters. Dude, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Um, the mound dweller, the shield maiden, Helga the nanny. Like it's there. Yeah, the, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Auden the Irish, Grim Skullhammer. Like it's oh, nuts. I love it. I love it's it. Nuts that you can spend. Look, these are these are. I, I've spent enough time uh, playing The Witcher, uh, Three Wild Hunt. <laughs> I've spent enough time on Skellige, which is like the Viking based. Uh, location in that game right. in that in that series. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll see Skellige in this show. Uh, in shameless plug, if you aren't listening to our Witcher Watch, go listen to our Witcher Watch right. series. But uh, those names in the game, man, there's like just there's stuff like that all over the place. It's uh, and they are fun. But you were right; they are Monty Python names through and through. It's, they would make fun of Helga the nanny. I just yeah, but and it's. It's not right because, in a way, all those names are what they are. You know, the the guy oh, gets totally. his nose chopped off is called nose snub or something like that. <laughs> like, there, so there, so there is this, but but that's the way people would be called. Maybe right. like they're not identified with a surname, so we identify them by right. some body identification, whatever. But it works, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, it's really really interesting to me. Uh, I would also say that you know. Skarsgård does a really good job, I think, in this role. <laughs> What's your hesitation? Uh, th- there is a level of um, a deadedness that the character has that you have to figure out whether that's mm-hmm. uh, right. If he, him if he's just not flat being as able, an actor. right, whether he's not, where there's places where he feels flat because of the of the characters, there are places where he feels like in neutral mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but that is partly i think what he's being directed to do I, yeah you know but that because everyone else yeah. is like out there right well part of you know whether or not his acting was good he was the right choice for the role right right, uh, right. and like casting is said to be like 90 percent of the work mm-hmm. right like if you can get the right cast like you've already done a lot of the the legwork and I think one Alexander Skarsgård is like a hulking madman in this film. It's unbelievable. I mean, you can it. It's almost he looks the way he stands is like he's just worked out way too much, done way too many deadlifts, and is now he's just has this hunch. Right. Like it's just this permanent hunch, but it's just because his muscles are so damn big. He's huge. Yeah. He is huge. All of them too have this great stance where they're sort of bent forward, like their yeah. shoulders are bent forward and their neck is back, yeah. like this sort of carrying the weight they, of yeah. Oh, yeah. work. Like I think yeah, that's really been, well they, done. They've been holding things for far I, too long. For, for so long. Yeah. The the thing with his his performance here is, like you said, like it may feel flat at times or like he's in neutral, but I think that he's just so numb to his life and experience right. that he doesn't feel things. Right, all he feels is hate, and when you can only feel hate and rage, like that's it. You don't you don't expand into anything else, and I think that's okay for the film because you do see him later on open up to um, Olga, right, 
right? You see tears in his eyes. Yeah, you, and we do see, see the that, romance that, and that emotion. Switch. Mm -hmm. uh, it's brief and it's fast, but there's a switch there right. where he where he becomes um, somebody who is. I mean, you're way more sympathetic for right, right like, like a moment of tenderness, like real legit tenderness. tenderness. That's yeah, what I, it is. I think there's that some that's gentleness. A, I think you there, make yeah. the good point. That's a good point. So I think he was great. I think he was good for the role, but I totally know what you mean. Where you know, I, I would love to see him somewhere i don't know where if i've seen him in anything else like i don't i didn't recognize him is he part of like am i thinking of the sars guard so he was in yeah so he was in uh godzilla versus kong we saw him in godzilla versus kong did we really yeah we uh, see i don't think i saw anything other than godzilla or kong in that he, movie right he was the the lead scientist that goes under he played a around. scientist yeah, okay he's the lead scientist um, I, I could, I mean, I can go down his films here. Uh, um, I, I'm pulling him up here right now. There's, but... oh, okay. You've seen him in things. Oh, Zoolander. I mean, I watched him in The Stand <laughs> too. Um, The Stand as well. I watched him in The Stand on, okay. uh, whatever it is, Paramount Plus, I guess, was that where I saw that? I don't remember. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, um, he was Tarzan too. Oh my goodness. I didn't see that movie. I, I refused, but. So yeah, he's done a lot of roles where he plays like he's been out in front doing that heroic lead role, yeah. which is sort of interesting that th that you know Eggers takes him who knows how to play that part to put in this much more complex film, right? So you give a guy who's like ultimately a good actor, right? But you give him a role that fits him as you're discussing about casting because he knows this storyline, right? Like he's lived the storyline in some of his films. Right. And so there's a, an anchoring that. And for us as an audience, it's a legitimate sort of heroic figure, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only, um, the only Skarsgård I haven't seen act, I think, is Walter. Okay, that's it. Sorry, I'm looking them all all of them up. This whole Skarsgård family is like they're hard workers. What in the world? Yeah, they're hard. Fun workers. fact: uh, his brother Gustav is in the in the show Vikings, um, right? And he's great in that show too. So, I love that they cast like a, you know, he's Swedish. So, well, I mean, this cast dives deeply into the idea of using the, the casting crew p using yeah. local folks, too, people, which is yeah. great. Yeah, I love that. Um, I love love that they did that, and um, I mean Bjork was back for like what ten minutes or less. Um, yeah, but nicely done. Nicely done. Yeah. And, and and the thing about this, and the other thing I think that this was reminiscent of, and I do not think that's because they're either is copying the other, is the uh, Denzel Washington Macbeth that's on Apple. Oh no! It right? feels, I mean, it there, feels totally different, but but there is certainly a sensibility about yeah. this, like push the limits of style, take mm -hmm. the story and, and utilize style to frame it. Yeah. And, and that we just don't get enough of that in cinema, that, that sense that style is leading us first. Right. And that's really what's right. happening here. That doesn't mean story's not important. Doesn't mean character's not important, but there is a sense that this is crafted. Like it's in a package. Yeah. It's, a, it's in the way you might say, like it's the brush strokes of the artists that are present, no matter what the content is. The yeah. content's still important, oh, yeah. but he is painting a very specific kind of picture, um, which to some people I think might be difficult to watch, but it is rich and beautiful. It's such a great time right now for film there are more voices than ever now being uh you know allowed at the table 
mm-hmm. and we're seeing them push, like you said, style so far. And A24 is at the front of that movement, I think, because A24 is just letting people do what they want to do, mm-hmm. right? They're taking these 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 filmmakers whose scripts were getting overlooked in in Hollywood, whether it's you know Warner Brothers, Universal, wherever, getting overlooked and just giving them a voice to make whatever. They, it's the I mean. Everything Everywhere All at Once is stylistically insane. The Green Knight, insane. Like, just all of these films, Midsummer, mm-hmm. like, there, there is just style at the forefront of every single A24 film. We saw um, a, a preview tonight for Men. Right. What a wild-looking film. fascinating. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, when you can when you can let your filmmakers just go off the rails and do what they need to do and they have this vision for the style and aesthetic of the film, you're able to you're just letting them take these creative risks and those risks end up paying off when you have talented uh, filmmakers at the helm, right? Does not maybe it's not always the case. Maybe it doesn't always pay off, but but it still has integrity and yeah. the thing about this film is that this film has a real sense of story to it, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas to some extent, the previous two films were very much like character studies in a situation, right? Right. There's no momentum to those other films. This film is all about momentum, right? Mm -hmm. It's all about like the journey, this from A to Z journey. And we we aren't spoon-fed anything, right? Like we have to pay attention and and be a part of the ride, but there is definitively a storyline that's here. And it's not like we can't figure out where we're going. You know, Mm -hmm. when uh, there, I, I knew that Nicole Kidman's character was not who he thought. You were waiting for his deconstruction or his world to flip. And, but when that world flips, it is done so well Mm -hmm. that because surprise, it's this idea, right? Spoilers don't matter and if the if a film is done well. Right. Right? Like, you could tell someone what happens at the end of Endgame. Right. And that moment will still be emotionally potent because it is an extraordinarily well-constructed sequence. Yeah, it's still emotionally right? potent after seeing right. it five but, times. Right, because it is well-constructed. This film is full of these mm-hmm. well-constructed beats where... Mm-hmm. At the very end of the film, that the very end before their final exchanges of blades, there's yeah. just a moment with close-ups of their faces, and it is exactly right. And you you skip the fact that like you can't be walking that close to lava, like you just <laughs> you you know you like you yeah, s- yeah, because yeah. the integrity of the story is there. And right. Nicole Kidman's moment with um uh, with Am Amleth right yeah. is so. It's just beautifully done. And we see that, we see over and over these beats where people are uh, both because of the acting performances and the integrity of the story. We go back to the that uh, initial attack where, you know, they're a second attack, I guess, where the berserkers are in that, mm-hmm. yeah, that yeah, village yeah. that where Olga gets taken originally. And, the, you know, they're taking slaves and they kill all of the children, right? right. They burn all the children alive. That it is an intense, like unbelievably intense thing yeah. to watch. And then later, of course, in another one of these like one shots, we we expose behind um, 
uh, Amleth, the the burning husk of the building. Like right. the, so the job has been done. Right. You've seen the aftermath. We, but oh, while all that's happening, there's integrity to the story underneath because that has to happen because we know it has to happen because the character who we're with right. is the child that survived. Right. And so like it's everything is plot driven. Yeah. Um, but it's it's not. But uh, it's Marvel superhero plot because right, the right. character, the needs of the character is what's driving the plot, yes. not the plot driving the character. The plot and character are driving together in tandem. One affects the other and affects the other and affects the other and so on and so forth, right? Like it, 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 they all just play on each other, right? He has a reaction to one thing and that's what leads him to this or that, right? Like the the plot of him, you know, why the heck did he get up? out of that in that same scene why did he get up leave that that uh that room with the right. fire right mm-hmm. he, he felt like he needed to leave right his character felt like he right. needed to get up and get out and that's what drove him to the plot that pushed him along right the bjork scene right with the prophecy and all of those things like that was plot based but it was also a little bit character based and so they just work in tandem to push our character forward and yeah. there's no MacGuffin here, even no, though right. there is at the same time, right? Like it's this, it's like this, it's like this, um, almost like a metaphorical MacGuffin. There's a, that's not either of our vehicles, is it? Something is buzzing. Wait, so if you hear oh, a buzz, a Jeep just turned there's, on. A, there's a vehicle like nearby making that noise down. That, Holy is, that is not a problem. Probably of the recording equipment, guys, but goodness but gracious, we're vibrating in the, the headphones car. are rattling on my head. Um, Yes, what you said is yes. It's right. That's that's it. And <laughs> that's that's it. Yes, it is. It is correct. And the, for me, what I think is really fascinating is that that like the idea that we can have an action story that drives forward because the film lets us know that it's a film and they have to follow through with the story. Like mm-hmm. the prophecy becomes the driving force. We have to take this journey, right? Right. Yeah. He, he has to he has to keep moving forward it's why i know he's going to leave this boat despite knowing he's having children right exactly right? and i'm not shocked at his decision I, i'm not shocked that they didn't murder him when he comes down from the mountain with the heart in his hands like, right i'm not shocked by any of that because the the prophecy has told us where we need to go because the film needs to do this yeah. to be a complete story right yeah that and there's something to be said about the fact that story has value right yeah and lore has value and if you think about it the very beginning of the film has this voiceover narration which often we don't like but the voiceover is tell me a story about this guy who does this thing and does this thing and does this thing and damn straight that's what happens in the movie (laughs) right yeah yeah yeah, like that's the story we hear right maybe it's odin speaking right maybe that's Mm. what it is maybe it's odin telling a story maybe it's whatever but that initial story yeah is the story we watch so it's not about spoilers, right? It's about watching and experiencing the adventure, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, with real characters. Yeah, and and being changed by the meaning, morals, ethics, all of those things behind the film, right? Like, right. Like if, yeah, I mean, if this is if this is the story that Shakespeare decided to, <laughs> you know, to steal for Hamlet. Like you better believe there's some kind of metaphor under all of this, or there's some kind of meaning that he wants to to drive home, 
And there is, and you're going to have to watch the movie to find out what that is. But, you know, like that stories are meant to change you right? and for you to reflect on who you are. And it can happen in absurdist films like Everything Everywhere, or it can happen in action, horror, period, historical pieces like this, like whatever this is. It can happen in anything. It happen in comedy, like whatever. I mean... But stories are meant to, to, to cause you to self-reflect on, on who you are. And I think this film does that too. Yeah, this is a film for, for people. People need to go into this movie like, and understand that it is, a, it is a challenge for a person who's not used to like, engaging in film and like, paying attention. Yeah. This is not a film where you're flipping your cell phone out to oh, check please don't, you yeah. know, uh, a, a message you got. Um, it, it's just not something you can do. And you know everything always, everything everywhere always all at once. Oh goodness gracious! That <laughs> title kills me all the time. Is is the same kind of thing? Like you can't miss a beat of that, or you're in trouble. Yeah. Like I worry about watching that with my wife. If she starts to crochet in the middle of it, I, uh, yeah, we're yeah. in trouble. Yeah. Like we're just in yeah. trouble. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how you how you look away from that film though. No, agree. It's impossible. But th- for for this film. There is the challenge of the visual style, which is demanding of mm-hmm. you in the way the lighthouse's visual style is demanding. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that Eggers is doing that. I also know that that means you need to warn an audience that that's what they're going to be experiencing, right? Right. That there is a challenge here and that you're, you need to engage and that engagement is fruitful, right? Like mm-hmm. you will gain from the experience if you do it. I would also say this is not, for me, this is not as good a film as uh, The Lighthouse or The Witch. I don't think this is okay. as good a film. Okay. Um, and I, but that to, but that's like saying that like today's steak was not as good as yesterday's steak <laughs> when it's cut from the same piece, piece of, of meat, meat right? right? You get right. what I mean? Yeah. Like you're making, you're making it. It's still high quality. It's still really well made. Yeah. Like it's still great. It's just for me, it doesn't reach what, the same level of impact on me. Sure. As the previous two films. And that could just be, that could be based around a whole lot of variables for you. This thing could hit you differently if you watched it in, in a week and a half. No, I based agree. Based on your headspace. Yeah. But and I would All also that. say that I think that a story that's linear, um, and and certainly a story as well known as Hamlet mm-hmm. for me, like the underlying nature of that is something that makes some of the impact different, right? Sure. But like, sure, that the, makes sense. The the language in this, I mean, the other thing we didn't talk about at all, Edgar's is like nuts about people speaking uh-huh. in a language, right? Yeah. They speak in the language of the world that they're in. Yeah. And so the the witch is the language of that sort of puritanical world. And mm-hmm. the lighthouse is the language of that, you know, turn of the century uh, world. And this is definitively in this Shakespearean elevated language of like not what what I don't even know what to say, but they speak a language. And I love when a writer and production create a language right. for their film that we need to learn. Like we need to translate. Well, and you're language. not ta- you're not talking about you're not talking about like the actual like right. I'm not like dialect or Norwegian right. or whatever whatever there's which is fascinating to start right. It's great. You're talking about like the actual 
like the way words are composed on a piece of paper in, and then spoken. In the English language and spoken, yes. right, yeah. which which is something that we see in like, uh, I mean. Oh, it's definitely in the lighthouse, 100%. Right. The well, way Willem Dafoe talks in the lighthouse is you have you have to listen and pay attention and learn the language right, right? and it's it, for me it's the way deadwood structures out sure. its language right like mm. the language in that film is its own like its own colloquial language that right. exists right, right, for right. that movie and uh, and milch is actually like one of the great writer directors to do that but eggers does it too mm-hmm. and i think that's extraordinary that it's yeah. not just that he's again it's all about detail he's hitting on every yeah. sort of component of yeah. the movie. I actually think I like this more than The Witch and The Lighthouse. That's fascinating. Because for me, I don't have... I I, I haven't actually read or seen Hamlet. Okay. I know enough of Hamlet to understand that this, right. <laughs> this is Hamlet. But my, the impact for me is, is probably... It's more impactful because our backgrounds in the original, like the popularized source material it, I mean you have more experience with it than I do I also tend to like films that just like we are we're it, it drives yeah, more right. um I have a hard time with films like the lighthouse I I think I like the witch more than I like the lighthouse even though stylistically I think I like the lighthouse more right um I'll buy that you know there's there's pros and cons to each I think but the witch just I'm I'm more interested in the lighthouse demands me to look at it I can't look away but the northman I'm fully engaged right I got you fully all the way through from uh everything from acting to camera to every sound everything everything um one person we didn't talk about was Anya Taylor-Joy mm-hmm. thoughts on her performance I thought she did great and I think she's really a fine actress uh mm-hmm. I-, I thought she did a really nice job here I think that it's a really interesting role. Yeah. It is funny that there is this sort of romantic uh, relationship that threads through the film, which I feel like is uncharacteristic of Edgar's previous work, right? Yeah. So that was interesting to see her play that role. But she, there is more to her than, like she does the subtext well. Let me put it that way. That's great. Yeah. That's what I think. Also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- I think you're totally right. For me, I I mean, I think she was great again, but I actually didn't feel like I saw her go anywhere I haven't seen her go before. No, agreed. Films. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but she was great. She was the right casting. I, she has such a distinctive, interesting, like look to her mm-hmm. that you again you can't look away. And she's, she's right for this film, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, but this, those romantic moments, like that's one of the things that I think where where yeah. the film felt funky to me. Sure, yeah. And not bad, just like, and, but you're right, I have seen her do all of that work before, so that's, yeah. I guess that's a good point, really good point. Yeah, no, I, overall, I Right, where I didn't feel like, great. I didn't feel like I've seen Ethan Hawke do that before. Sure, right? sure, or, or Nicole Kidman Nicole do, Kidman. right, like, oh, absolutely. Like they were out of, they Yeah, really they definitely subverted some expectations there for me from Nicole Kidman, I, which is why that jump for her mm-hmm. is just a shocking revelation Right. For us, because you're seeing her do this thing. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And for him, he's experiencing the truth. Yep. So, yeah. All right. Well, I don't have much more to say about the film. Um, I can only say that it's, like, beautifully shot. Like, we should just say, like, it's beautifully shot. It's beautifully colored. <laughs> After yeah. The gray is gorgeous. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, 
it it is definitively like an Artur's eye, and yeah. that doesn't belittle his team. So yeah, it's it's well worth watching. And the big screen is important. Yeah, the, Would big, you agree? the big screen is the place to see this. Um, if for sound alone, yeah, right. Holy cow! I mean, you shake. For, I had goosebumps. There, well, and some of it isn't even music, right? It's just screaming yeah, Northmen, right? It's just guttural, like, people yelling. Like S- Some of those moments, those the intensity. I really, yeah. I can't get past the whole Berserker campfire sequence. It, yeah. it's, it's amazing. When it's repeated then near the end of the film, right? And we have mm-hmm. those close-ups and all of that bizarre, like, <laughs> beard hair and blood. Ah, dude, I, it was so good. I mean, so there's good. so much blood and bone. That opening sequence with... Uh, with Defoe when when they're like d- drinking the dogs in the cave dogs in the yeah. cave thing fan like crazy fantastic and the sound is spectacular you're right but the whole thing is just crazy yeah. fantastic when he puts that bowl in front of them I'm like that is a designed bowl of bone and slop, slop. yeah there, there, oh I, I there's I'm sorry I'm gonna I'm gonna diverge from <laughs> no it. please so there there's a moment where Anna Taylor-Joy Olga delivers food to people uh-huh. and the stub nose guy mm-hmm. is so freaking excited about getting a bowl of that food yes. and there's no reason you should be. No. No, well, he picks something out of this bowl and I, I wasn't sure what it was. I think it's a ram's head. It was. <laughs> I think it might have been the, a dog's head okay. because the dogs had just died. No, that's before. right. They had killed all they the... Cut back to him. Oh. They, they cut back to him later and it looks like he's holding like half a skull of a dog. I would I would not be surprised? Oh my gosh! Because, but he bit into that thing. Like he took, he takes it out, he dips it in the his cheek. He ate like a cheek. Oh, I thought it was just, a loaf of bread like at first. It off. I'm like, I thought he pulled bread out. And I then wish. it wasn't bread. It was you know that was that's a good point. Oh my god! But he was so excited about what cannot taste good. Man, to them, they don't know what sugar is like. <laughs> Whatever. They haven't, I don't know. They haven't had anything. It good was in their water life. and. Bone and I guess dog meat. Dog like meat. that's a rough meal for me. Ugh. I, I Ugh. just gotta say. And he was so enthusiastic. His well, death look, the was man doesn't have a fantastic. nose, so he can't smell anything. I of guess it. that's true. I guess that's a good point. Yeah. Plug your nose next time you want to eat something disgusting. Yeah, right. Well, and they did plug the noses when the kid died, right? Like when the one guy died, they plugged up his nose. Like that's one of those details. Well, right. Like when they're right. laying him out. Right. So none of the fi- uh, I'm assuming they burned him. They burned what, that, burned or buried? I really thought I that know. whole boat was gonna be. Oh, but, I guess no, because oh, the I other dude buried, was yeah. buried, right? And that's yeah. and we think about the um, the dig, right? They yeah, buried those, right. those guys, right. right, with their stuff. So I would assume if they were close to the sea, that they would have pushed them out to sea. I guess set, I don't know. Set fire to but, the boat. Well, we don't but. know. We're doing whatever Edgar says at this point. <laughs> but Edgar's yeah. is the new Odin. There's so much. I mean, there's so much animal beheading in this. I mean, there's a lot of beheading. In there's this a lot of horse death. But there, yeah, and. I know that there's that has to be rooted in something, but that when that kid hacks that horse head off, that was so, yeah, something. Yeah, and and he, I think he made it through the head pretty good on the first try. But yeah. I'm like, this kid is not big enough to hack a horse head off. He was hacking and hacking and hacking away after, and the same thing happens though with the first death, right? Yeah. Like there's this, and I love that. I mean, I don't love it, but I do love it <laughs> because it's very hard to slice someone's. Head it's off. very yeah. Theon Greyjoy knows. Samurais know that it's easy, right? Because their blades are really sharp, but yeah. these guys are not using samurai blades. No, no. Um, these, I oh. think these these blades are more blunt than we think they are. Wait, let's take one more moment. 
before we move on, and I we should move on. We've been on talking for a while. It's hard not. What to. was going on with that game? We're suddenly in the middle oh, of it. Dude, there was... It was like it was. <laughs> it was like Quidditch meets <laughs> golf. Meets rugby. Meets meets rugby meets cricket. Meets rollerball. Meets because football. It is oh, wildly violent. It is super violent. It was. Huh? <laughs> it is super super violent. The way you win is by being the only person alive. <laughs> Right, like they the kid says at the end, "Did we win?" And it's because because everybody else is a, dead. Because Ameth is the only <laughs> Ameth is the only person alive, and that murder dude so well done. He that, had butted the heck out of that and, dude, and really well done. Like the sound was beautifully done, and we didn't have to see that what he was doing. We saw uh-huh. him doing it. I right? felt the horror oh, without seeing goodness. it. I didn't need to see it. But th- there is that moment before, right, where the ball is sitting next to the kid's head, uh-huh. and th- you've seen enough violence in yeah. the film that you you expect it to actually happen, right? And that's really well directed, well writing mm-hmm. for what is ultimately, if you step back, a goofy as shit thing to put in the middle of a movie. <laughs> yeah, no, I was like, why are we? Why are we playing this random sport all with of a, a sudden with big sticks? And, They're like giant spoons, and they were so good at it. That yeah. one guy hit that thing from what well, thirty look, yards away. <laughs> look, Amleth was so confused for the first half of this game, and then all of a sudden he said, oh, "Okay, I can beat the I, can, I can beat the crap out of these people. I'm gonna like this." Right, that's what I get to do. Yeah. And then, oh yeah. my gosh! But the other guys were skilled. Anyway, that <laughs> we just have to at least mention that that's no, a crazy right. that's, freaking thing. That yeah. I I need to know. If no, that's this, a real thing. Look, th- it has to be. <laughs> Otherwise, Eggers wouldn't put it in the film. And this is one of those things where we're seeing this full culture of this of this world. You're seeing celebration of music. You're seeing spirituality in caves. You're seeing sh- like shaman witch people in caves. You're seeing headless Willem Dafoe. You're seeing sports. Right, William Defoe, who got his eyes back. You're seeing and his cooking. Cul- back, there's culinary stuff ears. happening. There's, there is culinary work happening, whether it's dog or whatever. Slave work. You're seeing all of this. Funerals. Right. It's the just only thing we don't so see is rich. a freaking wedding. True. Yeah, you're right. That's it. Amazing. So there we go. Incredible. All right. Incredible. Well worth watching, folks. All right. Well, before we close. Let's um let's talk about what we're looking forward to, whether in personal life or in 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 movie land. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Bullet Train. We saw another trailer for. I really want to see well, you, that. You it saw looks great. Another, you saw another trailer for. That was the first time I've seen that trailer. Oh, okay. That looks great. It looks great. It looks. I love Brad Pitt, man. Especially when Brad Pitt can just like chill out and do a fun movie. Brad Pitt's going to be a hundred and five years old, and he's still going to be <laughs> engaging to watch. Like that's the truth. That movie looks really wonderful. Yeah. Um. I'm I'm actually really beginning to get excited for Thor: Love and Thunder too. I saw the first teaser trailer for yes. that drop, and oh that, yeah, that feels like something that I'm going to enjoy uh along the way. But uh, in the short term, we are going to get the opportunity to go see uh the Multiverse of Madness as well, which feels fun and exciting. I hope I am. I'm less excited for that movie. I think as the weeks go by, I get less and less excited for some reason. I don't know why. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I think we've been waiting so freaking long. I I think you're right. But like, I am. Oh my gosh, I am excited for Thor after after seeing that trailer. Like that just has me really excited. But um. So yeah. 
So the movie I'm excited to see, and I'm going to be watching it sometime in the next week, is called Night Raiders. Okay. Um, I just sort of got a notification from uh, uh, something on social media, and it's a post-apocalyptic Native American piece produced out of Canada, and it like oh my. jumps right into the kind of film I like to watch. So I'm pretty excited about that. But before I get to go see that, and before we even publish this, ultimately, I'll, I'll finish back. I'm going to the NAB show this weekend. I have a conference for uh, broadcast educators uh, this weekend, and I'm going to get to go onto the floor and see all of the new technology. I know there. I yeah, believe there's a, a new Ari body that's going to be out there. There's oh. some new DJI stuff. I know there's a new DJI mic. They're going to be showing a wireless mic that that uses sort of Wi-Fi. I think to like to go big distance, oh. very similar to the road wireless. So like, there's a whole pile of stuff I'm going to get to see. I'm probably going to get to uh, see some people operating DaVinci 18. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'm really pretty excited about it. So when we get together the next time, I'll bring some photos, which no one will be able to see. And we'll talk about <laughs> like some of the cool technology we'll that's out the there. Describe photos right? to you in this podcast. I'll, I'll, I'll say what- little bonus episode. What I saw that looks exciting out there. What technology John's photos. out there. So there we go. So that's what I'm looking forward. <laughs> Anything great. else you're looking forward to? Um, I'm looking forward to finishing up Moon Knight here. We got a couple episodes left, and then we'll 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 do a discussion about right. uh, that show and uh, as a whole. Big just big wrap up episode of what we thought, how it might play into the future of the MCU. Um, I'm also very, very, very much looking forward to the Obi Wan Kenobi series. Okay. Oh man, you and McGregor is you know I, I mean you grew up with one movie or a couple I guess a couple movies as Alec Guinness as your Obi Wan. Right. For me, I I grew up with the prequel series. Obi-Wan, when I think of Obi-Wan, I picture Ewan McGregor. Right. I don't exactly. actually picture Alec Guinness. That's that's fascinating. Yeah. So, very excited for him to return. Excited to hopefully see Hayden Christensen do a, a solid job as Anakin Skywalker, or actually more so as Darth Vader. I don't know if James Earl Jones is back doing his voice. I feel like he has to. Like I don't he can't not. Idea. I don't know. We'll see, but I'm very excited. I'm very excited about that, but... Um, yeah, that's really all that I have. I, and, I think that I'm and people will be able to hear us talk about a lot of that. So tune yeah. in and pay attention yeah. to the feed. Subscribe. Well, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Racking Focus podcast. We really, really enjoyed talking about this film. But what we would enjoy more <laughs> is if you shared this episode with a friend, uh, because I know there's like 20 of you who listen to this and. If you shared it with a friend, there could be like 40. <laughs> okay? It would be great to have 40 of you here. So share it with a friend and then write us a review. How can they right. do that? They can go to Apple Podcasts or anywhere, but Apple Podcasts would be great. So to push us up in, they could write reviews everywhere. Just copy and paste the I text. I love that. But uh, five stars, if you could like do that, if you have the ethics to say five stars because we want these guys to succeed or have some more listeners or let people make their own decision, and then you can do say whatever the heck you want. Dump on us in the comments. I always say like. like when my students are doing evaluations, like you can say whatever you want about how I did my work. But don't rate me low because you're frustrated about your grade. So like, <laughs> like rate rate it up high. Yeah. Let people encounter the course. Let them make their own decision. But you certainly can give your feedback. We would love feedback in the review. Please, we'd love yeah. feedback in, in any way. Um, you can follow us on Instagram. You can follow us uh, on Twitter or wherever. But all of that's available at our website. So if you want to find out all those addresses, you can just go to raggingfocuspodcast.com. 
Uh, so there you go. Go um, figure. Yeah, so we'll uh, talk to you folks soon, we hope, or talk at you, I guess. Yeah, we'll talk soon. at you. Uh, and uh, we'll, I don't know, what else did we say? Good night. Good night. Thanks for listening to the Racking Focus Podcast.